about anything. It's good to see Ryan, Lisa, and baby back. Gabriel, they're feeling better. Good. No no lasting effects. Everybody's good? Maybe you don't know? He's like, he's a little gassy, but you know what I'm saying? It's good to see. Uh, I need to address, you know, I need to apologize um, for myself and the guys group. I, I said a prayer. I sent out a prayer request for Ronnie because he was dizzy and he got mad at me. Because um, I use the word dizzy, and he's like, I'm on the verge of death. So, um, glad, glad, uh, glad that uh, the man flu's over with. Um, just kidding. It was pretty bad, wasn't it? It was rough. Um, but the thing that I need to address right up front is I need to apologize on behalf of Tanya Eastep for not playing the World Tour this morning. She told she told me all week she's gonna come and play the World Tour, which is a fancy keyboard, and she didn't do it. So, if you have any issues with that, just go talk to her. No, nope. I have I have I have the confirmation in planning center um, that where she confirmed. All right. But it's so good to see you guys. Here we are, and um, I, I really hope that you guys have had a good good week. Um, my uh, in my in my family, hey, don't hate when you touch technical stuff and it all like goes haywire. And you're like, God, please don't let this go away. Um, and like we've had two babies sick, and then um, not like. COVID sick, but just like stomach virus sick, and then Brittany got sick on top of that with the same thing, and then Zane, and then somehow me and Lyric escaped it, um, but now that I said that here in about 45 minutes when we're done, I'll probably start throwing up and having diarrhea, I don't know, um, but so pray for them, because mama needs to go back to work, because we got bills to pay, you know what I'm saying, um, hallelujah, uh, so pray for them, but it's been kind of a it's been kind of a rough week, but I'm, I'm so excited to get into this today. Like, we, we've been in this series called Not Happiness for, where we're working through the book of Philippians, and Philippians has become, and I'll probably say this about every book that we go to, has become one of my favorite books to kind of walk through. Um, next one we're doing is Ephesians, and I, it is my favorite, like, it's my all-time favorite. Like, if you lost every other book of the Bible and you had the book of Ephesians, you would make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the gospel and like, you know, like, it's beefed up, like, it's beefed up, y'all. It's, it's going to be good. Um, and just so y'all are aware, Dawson is going to do a makeup sermon um, during like the third week of that series. So if you're bummed out that you had to listen to me last week, you get to hear him here in a couple of weeks. All right? So we'll go with that in later. But like it's, Philippians is one of those books, like it's known as the, as like the, the book of joy, right? And when you understand the history of the book of Philippians and where the lack, it's actually a letter. It's not really a book. We just call it a book because that's what we've done throughout church history, right? The, the, you know, I won't even get into that. 
Um, but it's a letter that was written to the Philippian church and really to us today, and I'm glad we have it. it but you understand the, the, the thought line behind it. Here's this man. His name is Paul. He used to be Saul who killed Christians, and now he's in jail for preaching the very gospel that he persecuted. He's chained to prison guards, and he said, hey, listen, it's not about being happy. It's about having joy. You can find joy even in the midst of all circumstances, and that's what we talked about week one, right? That, that how... We talked about how, how you view your situation will be the, the expression your life portrays because you don't always get to pick your situation, but you always get to choose the story you tell. I'm going to say that again just in case you missed it. You don't always get to choose your struggle or your situation, but you can always choose the story you tell. Deep. Week two, we talked about the fact that if Christ is our standard... How are we measuring up? Because a lot of times we want to compare ourselves to Betty next door and look at all the good things that we do compared to what Betty do. I told Betty she shouldn't be hanging out with that guy. That's why she's where she is now. And we're like, Betty becomes our standard and we're good. But Ephesians 2 is like, Christ is our standard for true joy. And how do we get true joy? Walking humbly in front of others. Putting others' needs in front of ourselves, even if you're right. Thank you. Even if it's not okay to be right and be rude. You with me? You with me? That's, that's extra. You can pay me if you want to, but that's extra. Putting others before ourselves. It's this idea that Christ's mindset should be our motivation. How Christ lived his life should be our motivation. And then Ephesians 2 goes on with this big list on how he didn't find equality with, with God something to be grasped. Like, it's making me, like he humbled himself. Yeah, he was God, but he said, if I'm going to go rescue my people, I'm going to be like my people and walk humbly. Show them how to walk humbly, even if you don't have to. Like, Jesus didn't have to walk humbly. He could walk up and go, this kingdom's mine. Y'all sit down and shut up. It, he did. He walked humbly and served. Week two, to find true joy, you have to walk humbly like Jesus did. Have the mindset of Christ. Right? And last week we said we can't boast in our own righteousness because it's, not, it's nothing but tra trash. Remember I had the table set up here with the luggage, the beautiful luggage from 1918, I think, that mom let me borrow. Floral patterns, you know, all that stuff. But, and it was beautiful, but on the inside it was filled with nothing but trash. You with me? Like we carry it around like all, all our good deeds are what we think makes us righteous. Look at what I've done. Look, look, what, look, what, look, what, look what, I'm, what I've done, God. It's like the... The guy from, who played football in 1975 when he says, I threw that last touchdown pass in the championship game. It's like nobody cares. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus and his righteousness. It's him that makes you clean. In fact, we said it like this. We need to let go of the trash so that we can hold the truth. We need to let go of the trash so that we can hold the truth that the only thing that makes us righteous or have a right standing with Christ is him, is Christ himself. Not that we shouldn't do good works. And we're talking about that a little bit here in a minute. Not that we shouldn't do good works. In fact, it's that that drives us to do good works of how good and gracious God in Christ is. We should, like we, should, we, should, we, should, we should do good works, but we need to put our hope in Christ, not in our own works. True joy comes from holding on to Christ. And what Christ did should drive us to do good. Right? Thank you for agreeing with me. 
Let's read the last two verses from last week, and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about today. Philippians 3, verse 7 says this, Yet all, all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I have now forsaken them, and I regard them all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Christ as my Lord. To truly know Him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing, it all, throwing all my boastings on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. So that I may know and be may, and so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace Him as Lord in all of His greatness. All of His greatness. If we continue to hold on to our works, we will never experience just how great Christ is in our life. Why? Because we'll be distracted by how great or quasi-great we really are, right? We'll be distracted by what can I do next to, to impress myself, to look good in the mirror, to look good to those people around me, instead of experiencing the true greatness that is in Christ. The great news of the gospel is not that you can clean yourself up, but the great news of the gospel is that he cleans you up and makes you righteous. For those of us who are millennials and younger, that's good news. That means you don't have to do anything to earn it. You with me? That doesn't work in the real world, like right here. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to work. The Bible says if you don't if you don't work, you don't eat, right? But that but that should motivate us to experience just how great God is in Christ. That our righteousness is not based on us, because let's be honest, we're dirty, we're filthy, right? But Christ in us is that, that's greatness. It's Christ alone that makes us righteous. Christ alone. That can give you true joy. It's, it's this old doctrine. It's called sola, sola Christos, which means Christ alone. Christ alone. I, I really was excited that I got to say that, Sola Christos. It was, it was Martin Luther who posted on the church of, uh, the, of the Catholic Church. It said, it's by Christ alone, Sola Christos, that one is saved. Not by your penance, not by your this, but by Christ alone. It's Christ alone that makes you righteous. Christ alone that gives you joy because if Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. If Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. And what, and what you do is for nothing because it's he, he, is, he is what makes you righteous, not your works. And while Paul would go on to say, and I love this next passage, he says, my passion is to be consumed with him. Consumed with who? Jesus. My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness, but based on keeping the written law. My righteousness will be based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Some translations say in faith in Jesus Christ. And if you look at the Greek, it, 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 what, it, what, it's saying, what it's saying is, is that our faith is the faith that's given to us. And we can see this true in Ephesians 2. That says, Ephesians 2 says, you know, you're dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked upon the course of this world, like so bad that even the faith to believe is, gift, has been, is gifted to you. So whose faith is it? Jesus's. Right? My righteousness will be, will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. Whose righteousness? His. Whose faithfulness? His. His. You're able to be rescued or be viewed as righteous because of Christ's faithfulness and not your own. But the good news is this, is that even in that, 
you can bring your imperfect faith to Jesus. You can bring your imperfect faith to Jesus. We're trading imperfect faith for righteousness. That's the good news of the gospel. Like that gets gets us excited. Like even in our imperfect being, in our in our in our in our in like like when we couldn't, he did. When it's hard for us to believe because we have doubts, and there's nothing wrong with having doubts. Doubts are good because that keeps you searching. Okay, like don't don't think just because you doubt some things that you're in the like you should feel bad. Don't. It's not about that. But even in our doubts, we can come to him and we can say. I don't know, but I know that you know, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna rest here until you tell me. You with me? It's why, it, and it leaves us broken sometimes. It leaves us weary sometimes. It leaves us going. I don't even know if I can approach the throne because I feel this way. And Jesus' exact words to us is, "Are you are you weary?" In Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty nine, it says, "Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis." Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require, require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. We can approach God because of the righteousness that he has instead of, instead of our own righteousness because our righteousness is settled in what Christ has done. Our righteousness is settled in what Christ has done and not in our ability. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Go back up to Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Our righteousness is settled in what Christ has done and not our own ability. Because we have to come to him and rest it. We have to come to him and lay it at his feet. That's why Paul would also write in Galatians 2.16, in another letter, he would say, we know full well that we don't receive God's perfect righteousness as a reward for keeping the law. But by faith of Jesus, the Messiah, his faithfulness, not ours, has saved us. And we have received God's perfect righteousness. Now we know that God accepts no one by keeping by the keeping of religious law. Like you don't like you don't have to do what is right for God, for your father to love you. Like I grew up, and, this, and I'll probably say this a lot, like I always wanted to make my dad proud, right? I would do whatever it took to make my dad proud. Like when I lost wrestling matches, I didn't want to look up in the stands because I knew my dad was watching. You with me? And not that he would be disappointed in me. Like, you know, there's one year, y'all, I sucked big time. Like I think I lost every match, all right? But there's one year, y'all, that I was killing him. There's something about making your dad proud. Like we're, we're, we're trained as we grow up as, me, as boys. Like you got to make your daddy proud. Do what your daddy proud. And, and it carries over into our relationship. And it's this fact that he's not proud of you. He's proud of Christ. And Christ is living in you. Now that's not saying that we don't do what is right to please our father. Right? What it's saying is, is that we, we, we've got to stop 
relying on what we do because, listen, it's not good enough because we can't meet the standard. Because even if we did everything right, we would do it with fake motives or false motives. You with me? We can keep doing the right things to clean ourselves up, but we would be just like the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day when, he, when Jesus himself said to them, you're nothing but whitewashed tombs. You look really good on the outside, but there's death on the inside. We've got to not rely. If you want to have true joy, joy, you've got to rely on what Christ has done. Because if you keep relying on your own, what you perceive as righteousness, you will fail yourself. Remember last week I said, who's the one that lies to you the most? Yourself. And so when you let yourself down, that's what, like we, we're, that's why there's so many self-help books. Because we don't know how to self-help ourselves. Think if we just do the next right thing or next, get the next best thing, we'll be all right. And Christ is saying, no, 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 no. Paul's like, no, that's not how it works. You've got to get the OG. You've got you to get Christ. All this other stuff is future stuff of garage shells and dumps. Might as well throw it on the trash heap. Without Christ, it means nothing. He goes on to say, in Philippians 3.10, he says, And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. That's an interesting verse right there. I'm going to read it again, then we're going to keep going. Going back. And I, and I continually long, long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I'll be one with him in his sufferings, and I'll be be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. For there to be resurrection, there has to be death. Right? For there to be a miracle or a healing, there has to be something broken. You with me? So for there to be resurrection, there has to be death, and it's death self. We've got to die to self. To experience joy, you must let go and let Christ fill you. Let his work saturate you. If you want to experience true joy, the true resurrection that comes from life, you have to let yourself die. Death to selfie, some say. You gotta let go of some things. You gotta let go of yourself. Because guess what? It's not about you. Everybody knows that you think it's about you. That's why nobody wants to talk to you. Because you're full of yourself. Let Christ fill us. Let His work saturate us. Let His presence saturate us. Let the Holy Spirit come and saturate us. That we can keep walking in the direction that Christ has us in. He goes on to say this. He goes on to say, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Right? Because there's some people that, you know, the holier than thou that think they've already, they're like, the cram of the cram of the cram. Right? I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. And if Paul is saying that, then you definitely don't need to be saying that. You know what I'm saying? that I have already uh, achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me, which means there's a sense of us that is already perfect because we are in Christ. Now, we're still in our flesh while we're in this world, but there's going to be a day when 
when all things are made whole. When perfection, it's, 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 it's a, I hate to say it this, this way because I don't agree with that whole theology. It's claim it before you, get, before you got it. You with me? Like I'm already perfect in the eyes of God because he sees Jesus in me. And that gets me excited because when I screw up, guess what he sees? Jesus. When I do things right, guess what he sees? Jesus. When I don't treat my wife right, guess what he sees? Jesus. When I, I don't treat my kids right, guess what he sees? Jesus. And that leads us into repentance. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed to me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on, the, on this one thing. So Paul tells us, he focuses on this one thing. We might want to focus on this one thing. You know what I'm saying? Forgetting the past. Ooh. That's hard. Forgetting our past or forgetting what people have done to us in the past. Like We, we still have arguments in the shower with people from 20 years ago, don't we? I catch myself doing it all the time, and I'm like, dude, you're in the shower. One, quit thinking about them while you're in the shower. But two, it ain't going nowhere. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? What so like just picture in your mind. I'm not even gonna say anything. What lies ahead? Forgetting the past, looking forward to what we have in the future. You got it? You got it? It's gone. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, whose faithfulness is, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. It's like Jesus is on the edge of heaven going, come on, come on. Cheering us on. Hebrews talks about the great crowd of, cloud of witnesses that have gone before us that's cheering us on. That's great news, but to know that the Savior of the world is at the edge of heaven Going, you got it. Keep going. Keep pushing. That, that gives me some joy. Going, like, if he believes in me, guess what? I can believe in me. Not only is our joy set in what Christ, and this is what this passage means. That was extra that I just said. Not only is our joy set in what Christ did on the cross that saves us from our sin and the resurrection that defeats death in our life, we have joy for what he has for us in the future. We have joy for what he has for us in the future. What does he have for us in the future? No more sickness and no more pain. No more dizziness. No more pain. Nothing. No more bid. No, what, name it. No more of it. All of us looking fly with our new bodies. Streets of gold. But most importantly, you know what know what we have in the future? Face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus. Like, forget my mansion. I probably won't ever be there. I'll be sitting like this at the throne. Like, hey, can you tell me about that time when you were, like, walking on the sea? Like, like can you tell me about that? Can you tell me about the time when... Uh, when they lowered that guy through the roof, like, what was your, what was everybody's facial expressions like when all the dust started falling? Oh, that's cool. Like, what, what did the Pharisees look like when the religious leaders that were sitting outside the window, like, when they saw the guy get up and walk? I know they were 
they're mad at you for mad at you for saying that you can forgive sin. But you know, like, what was their face like when he stood up and walked? Were they like, do I believe him or not? Like, oh, that's cool. Oh, oh they're not here. Hmm, that sucks. I can. I'm. I, I, I want to be at the feet of Jesus. I might mean I might go to have a ham sandwich at some point at my mansion. I don't know, but we have joy for what He has for us in the future, not only in heaven, but what He has for us in the future in this life. Like your best days are not behind you. I heard one pastor this past Sunday. He was talking about here is holy. He's talking about your best day is here. Like your best days are today. And guess what? Tomorrow, your best days will be that day. Your best days are not behind you. We have joy for what he has for us in the future. The Bible says he has plans to prosper you. Plans to give you greatness. Great plans for your life. Like even plans that you're so big that you couldn't even think or imagine what they were like. We have joy for what He has for us in the future. We have joy because what He what He promised promises what His promise is for us in the future is what drives us to do good today. Because we know that if He was faithful to do what He did in the past, the cross and the resurrection, the cross that saves us from our sin and the resurrection that saves us from death, if he was faithful then, then he'll be faithful to us in the future. What his promise is for us in the future is what drives us to do good because of his faithfulness in the past. We can have faithfulness in the future. Because here's the deal. Ultimately, the message of the gospel is not try. It is trust. It's kind of the point of faith. Right? Faith is the absence of what we're seeing, right? It's like it's that it's the faith is that faith is that thing, you know what? Listen, I know that my wife is at home right now. I have faith that she's taking care of two sick babies and not just letting them lay there. I don't have to be there to believe it. I trust that she's doing that. I trust that the HR department for Knox County School is going to get my check right. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we trust in a lot of things, right? A lot of things that could fail us. That even, even in some things has records of failing us. And we put more trust in that and faith in that, then we even do the creator and sustainer and savior of the world. Well, I just can't, I can't give anything this month because I just, I just don't know if I'll make it to the end of the month. You're going to trust him to get you to the end of your life, but you're not going to trust him to get to the end of your future? I mean, that's on you. Like, do you, you do you, boo. Oh, you, you, like, I, I just, I, I can't, like, I can't trust him in making this new, new step, this new, going this new direction in my life. I, I feel God wants me to do this in my life, but I just don't know if I can, I just don't know if I, if, if, if I can do it or not. Like, you're going to trust him with your salvation, but you're not going to trust him with taking that next step in your, in your faith journey? Like, really? It goes back to, 
If Christ is not all to you, He is nothing to you. Our faith and our and it's the whole message of the gospel is not about just trying; it's about trusting. You trust that your car is going to start in the morning. You trust that your hair dryer is going to come on and dry your hair before you have to come to church and look all silly, right? If you can trust all those things, why can't you trust the one that says, I am the Redeemer of the world? Go on to say this. He goes on to say this. All of us who are mature should... I love, I love this, by the way. I, I kind of imagine Paul being kind of like a little bit of a smart aleck. Okay? So have like a picture of Paul being a little smart aleck here. Right? All, all of us who are mature should think the same way, and if any of you think differently, God will make it clear to you. <laughs> Love it. But we, must keep all, but we must keep going in the direction that we are now headed. That's Paul basically saying, listen, I'm okay with you being wrong. I'm, I'm not even going to correct it. I'm going to let God do that in the future, all right? Like, I'm not even, like, I'm not even concerned with you. But the rest of us, no matter how dark the situation gets, we're going to keep walking toward the light. No matter how dark our, our circumstances are, no matter how, like, I'm, you, you, can, you can keep spewing all that fakeness, right? All that false truth, all that stuff. You can keep saying, well, I just want to keep pulling myself up on my bootstraps and try. I'm going to let you do that. God will handle that when it's time. But the rest of us, we, we have to keep it that light is Christ himself. And nothing else. Because he goes on to say, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many who conduct, whose conduct shows they are, are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about life here on earth. Look how far I've gotten. Look how good I'm doing. Look at all the rules that I'm following. I never do anything bad. My mama always loved me because I did everything she asked me to. Like, look at look at this look at this promotion I got. Look at this. This is their 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 appetite is for things that are here on this earth. Look how far I've gotten. And even one verse says their reward will be what they receive here on earth. All the praise and acclamation you may get here, that's what you get. But if we rest on Christ, but if we rest on Christ, we keep stepping, we keep stepping toward the light, joy will keep building. Joy will keep building. I love this next passage. Though so the rest of the world lives this way, lives for the appetite, their appetite of their belly, lives for the things that are that they're promoting in this world, things that they're that they're 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 going for in this world, the the promotions, the the, the they're they're pursuing really happiness that is fading. Paul tells us and reminds us. He says this. He says. We are citizens of heaven. You are not of this world. We are, you, we are citizens of heaven and are eagerly waiting for our Savior to come from there. 
I've been praying a lot. Lord, come, come Lord Jesus. That we, we are citizens of heaven and are eagerly waiting for our Savior to come from there. Our Lord Jesus Christ has power over everything. And he will make, the, make these poor bodies of ours like his own glorious body. Christ, in his faithfulness, is coming to bring us home. And finish the work he started on the cross. That's where our joy rests. That is where our joy rests. Not in that we are going to do anything about our situation, not that we can do anything about our situation, but that he did and he is coming. He did save us and he is going to save us. Mainly from ourselves. Christ in his faithfulness is coming to bring us home. He is coming from there. How are you living? Are you living in a way that when you hold out your hands, it's all of your accomplishments? Or when you hold out your hands, all God's going to see is Christ? If it's anything other than Christ, it's not going to be good enough. It's not going to be good enough. If you want true joy, quit relying on yourself because relying on yourself is only happiness because you're going to fail yourself. There's one person that will ne has never failed you, and that's Jesus, because he was faithful then, and he'll be faithful now, and he'll be faithful then. It will cause us to live different. When we live this way, we're about to sing a song that says that we won't be shaken when things seem to fall apart around us. We won't be moved with the slightest inconvenience. But we'll be able to speak to those things, speak to those mountains that stand in our way and say, you must be moved because my joy is in Christ. I may have piled this mountain up myself, but I have a Savior who can knock it down. So let this next song that we sing be more than just a song. Let it be an anthem to your future and to your present. That my true joy will be based on Christ and Christ alone and His faithfulness, not mine. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much. We thank you so much for being a for being a God who's, who says, you know what, I know that you can't. And in your can't, I'm going to be a Savior who can. In my can't, in, in my can't, you are a Savior who says, I'm going to make a way. Like you are faithful and we weren't. You are faithful when we were failures. And I love you for that. In my, fail in my failure, you said, I am your reward. <laughs>